Are you an HR department of one trying to figure out how to balance task and strategy while keeping up with changes in regulatory compliance? Do you need a fresh outlook on old topics? Then stop what you're doing, grab your coffee, and get ready to recharge. If you have people, you have problems to solve and things to do. Your host is Brenda Neckvottle, a 20-year human resource professional, ready to explore the HR industry with veterans of business and life with fresh eyes and new ideas. Learn about the rapidly evolving changes in employment law around the country, as well as new tactics to deploy and build engagement in your workforce. If you're looking to implement new practices to make your job easier in HR, then this podcast is for you. Hey everyone, thank you for joining me and welcome back to the Best Practices in Human Resources podcast. My name is Brenda and if this is your first time joining the show, thank you very much. We're excited to have you here. Um, This is a pretty cool show that talks a lot about what to do in HR, what the problems are, and try and give you some guidance and direction on how you can go ahead and tackle those things. Plus we also talk a lot about uh, current current issues in the in the industry as well <clears throat> and if you are coming back again and you've been listening for a while thank you so much um, you guys it's really awesome that you're here with me on this journey and I really truly appreciate it um, to normally in the past if you've been listening to the show for a little while um, I always introduce uh, I had two counterparts that were in the studio Champ the Wonder Dog and Lolan the Vetter Comfort Dog uh, part of the reason why we've been a little bit away from the show is that um, if you've listened and that you know that uh, Champ has made his trip across the Rainbow Bridge back in the beginning of September but unexpectedly yes and sadly less than three weeks later <clears throat> Lola wound up doing the same thing so uh, both were old dogs. Uh, Champ was 14 and a half. Lola was about 9-10 years old and both of them had cancer and uh, didn't really quite expect it with Lola so you know that kind of took a little bit of an adjustment and for those of you um, who have been in the know on this and have sent in uh, condolences and some pretty nice things I gotta tell you I really do appreciate um, all the sentiment and very humbled by it and it has been quite an adjustment and uh, I really just want to make sure I take a moment to say thank you very much for the outreach that was just absolutely fantastic so thank you so today moving on um, we are going to be taking a look at employment law changes across the nation I've got some uh, poster changes to announce we've actually got a lot to talk about in the realm of employment law changes Um, we're going to today we're going to be taking a closer look at individual liability and why that matters in companies um, and then some things that you guys can do to go ahead and protect yourself against it. We've got a couple announcements. We're going to forego typically the HR question of the day uh, just to get things back rolling again <clears throat> and then I'm going to share with you how to get best practices delivered to your inbox. Um, but before we begin, begin, please folks understand that the information available through this podcast is in fact for informational purposes only and not for the purposes of providing any form of legal advice. Should you contact your attorney to obtain legal advice with respects to any particular issue, if you do not have an employment attorney, go ahead and reach out to me and I might be able to refer one to you through uh, our friends over at Jackson Lewis and through our affiliates program. Okay, so poster changes. Um, Poster changes, poster changes. We've got several of them. So first off, if you are in the states of South Dakota, Arkansas, Missouri, Virginia, California, 
Washington State, New Jersey, Alabama, New Hampshire, and Wisconsin. You guys all have poster changes. Again, South Dakota, Arkansas, Missouri, Virginia, California, Washington State, New Jersey, Alabama, New Hampshire, and Wisconsin. You guys need to make sure that your posters are up to date. Now you can do that by reaching out to our friends over at Labor Law Compliance Center. And you can, if you go over to the bestpractices.work website, click on the affiliates link, <clears throat> scroll down to where you see Labor Law Compliance Center, you will be able to go ahead and get your posters at an additional amount off and it's a pretty good discount so definitely take advantage of that okay so we got quite a few updates um, that I want to give and solely because I've been putting these aside and just really been wanting to make sure that we keep you guys even in the loop even though I've been out of the loop so um, so a couple things that have come out of the pike so the EEOC has ruled or starting to say that Facebook job ads <clears throat> um, really are starting to lead to discrimination by sex and age so I did wind up attending a symposium on that covered this topic and eventually we're going to get into it um, as an episode at some point in time but if you guys are using Facebook job ads you want to definitely dip into what exactly that means and if you don't have any idea by all means reach out to me and I'll be happy to go ahead and communicate with you over in DC um, <clears throat> commuter benefits there are new penalties and fines so you guys are definitely going to want to take a look into that if you're up in the DC area over in Illinois the Equal Pay Act mandates are have taken effect as of September 29th um, also <clears throat> up in Massachusetts uh, withholdings uh, need to start to fund the Massachusetts Paid Family and Leave Act which began October 1st so if you're up in Massachusetts make sure that you are doing what you need to address that in New York uh, be on the lookout that minimum wage rates are going to increase again so just want to give you a heads up in addition to that New York City um, they are issuing or have issued a new enforcement uh, guideline or guidance on discrimination based on national origin and immigration status so if you guys are in those areas please make sure that you are checking into that if that sounds like it impacts you down in Columbia South Carolina um, the, the city is now limiting their inquiries about applicants of their criminal and salary history so <clears throat> we've seen this kind of patchwork approach across the nation but now it is actually not just state it is actually in the city of Columbia as well um, recently and actually you know what I'm gonna skip ahead to that <clears throat> because it'll make this next one actually make sense <laughs> so I don't want to put the cart before the horse here but um, so the rule on overtime <clears throat> uh, and the minimum salary that we've been waiting on has finally arrived so uh, for FLSA the minimum salary level for exemption status has increased to thirty five thousand five hundred sixty eight dollars that goes into effect January 1st 2020 this is a big deal now the minimum salary level <clears throat> in the Department of Labor's final overtime rule actually will not apply to Puerto Rico <laughs> so now you know why I want to say it first so the final rule on overtime the minimum salary level for the exempt status has increased to thirty five thousand five hundred sixty eight dollars 
effective January 1st, 2020. However, I just want to repeat, it will not apply to Puerto Rico. So, kind of gets a little interesting. Um, the OFCCP for government contractors, they are looking to actually make adjustments to the self-identification form. Uh, so keep your eyes on uh, open for that. We're going to definitely take a look at that. Also, the Department of Labor actually has announced some proposed rules in relation to tipping. Um, those rules have not become matter of fact yet. It's just a proposal, but I definitely want to put you guys out on alert for that one. Also, we are expecting <clears throat> an update to the current I-9 form but USCIS has actually informed employers to go ahead and keep using the current one because obviously we don't have any changes as of yet. Um, the Supreme Court is actually as of October, beginning of October, is in preparation or is in the process of hearing arguments in regards to LGBTQ workplace protections under Title VII. So we're keeping our eyes open for that one. We certainly expect to see some developments in that area, possibly. Um, we'll see what happens. There's several cases that are taking a look at. Uh, California. California has made some changes to their lactation accommodation requirements. So if you're at California and you have nursing mothers, please make sure that you are looking into that. Uh, Connecticut um, actually has now implemented a new law which requires policies on opioid use at colleges and universities. Um, so that's kind of an interesting twist. They have also, the state has released a sexual harassment prevention training guidance for employers in the area. So if you guys are in Connecticut, um, make sure that you're checking that out as well. Uh, oh, here's a good one. In New York, <laughs> there will be a new five-day letter requirement for terminated employees. So um, I don't have the details on this yet, but if you are going to be terminating an employee, it appears you are going to have to be putting it in uh, in a written format in what they refer to as the five-day letter. So we definitely may want to take a look at that as well. Um, something else that came down from the National Labor Relations Board, there is a proposed rule on the docket <clears throat> that would deny graduate students the right to actually unionize. So some interesting things coming out of schools and universities there. Um, for 2020, for federal contractors, expect an announcement for a minimum wage increase for individuals that are operating under federal contracts. Up in the state of Maine, there is a number of employment law expansions and rollouts that are taking place. So if you're in Maine, definitely see, you know, do what you can to get a, a heads up on that. Over in Minneapolis, now a while ago we talked about um, they put in a wage theft legislation. But now Minneapolis, so that was in the state of Minnesota. So in Minneapolis, they have put into place a wage theft prevention ordinance. So if you guys are operating in Minneapolis, it's something you're going to want to take a look at. Also up in Minnesota, um, Duluth is actually looking like they are going to be putting together a sick and safe time ordinance as well. That is expected to start January 1st of 2020. And then I believe, yep, this is the last one. Uh, Virginia, I believe I may have mentioned this before, but I'm going to mention again. 
Virginia actually has released um, information on what is required for employers to produce certain types of employment documents, but they have also recently amended the requirement as well. So if you guys are in those states, uh, definitely want to take a look and see what is going on and what it is that you as an employer need to do to make sure that you are keeping yourself compliant in those areas. Now today we're going to be looking at individual liability for employment related decisions and this is something that is not really discussed a lot when it comes to um, what's going on in the company but this is really something to always keep in the back of your mind so we're going to we're going to talk a lot about this today so as a consultant or practitioner um, you'll find that I'm very big on educating apex organizational leaders on all aspects of risk and, and as a team basically we're here to identify the most effective solutions some of them are long and some of them are hard and some of them are painful but it is the duty of the practitioners role the HR practitioners role to protect the president and the officers with effective policies and levels of separation when dealing with specific HR issues now I've told Apex leaders in the past not to get involved and to avoid escalation adding risk to an already volatile situation and part of the reason behind that is that the worst place you want an Apex leader such as a CEO and a president is sitting on the witness stand now granted in small businesses sometimes it's a little bit hard to avoid because you know people have a tendency to wear multiple hats and do multiple jobs however when you have those levels of separation there, uh, the CEO or the president should be the last person addressing major HR related issues. They should be part of the decision making process with an HR person um, or somebody that has that capability of executing. So um, there's a level of protecting the CEO. But today I'm going to share with you something that I'm finding in my career and that is occurring less and less. So today the topic is really intended to bring you guys a sense of awareness so that you're armed with employment knowledge and support to your respective leadership in your company. And a lot of this, it really is directed to Apex leaders. So if you're an HR practitioner, you know, this is going to be very helpful, especially if you've never done anything or had conversations about uh, individual liability, if you've never really given it any thought or you're at the beginning level you know this is going to be some really good new information for you it's also great for those who have been around the block for a while so if you guys are listening nothing harm no harm no foul actually getting uh, a nice little refresher on this so it's not meant to preach or teach or, or well, preach teach yes maybe or suggest that there's any form of inaction but this is a topic that I find most apex leaders are really shocked when they hear me speak on it and when that happens it means I'm doing my job so I'm sitting in front of a customer when I'm sitting in front of a client and I'm talking about something that impacts individual liability it usually blows them right out of their seat but that's a good thing <laughs> so so remember folks first and foremost I'm not an attorney I'm a seasoned HR professional and the information that I provide you isn't intended to serve and it cannot serve as legal guidance all right these are points of interest that can potentially have a direct impact on you and your staff and your company if they are not properly addressed and that's why we're talking about it today this is a subject that's not often discussed with medium to small and micro businesses in the HR field it's not uncommon to address the topic I'm speaking on in larger uh, medium and mega sized corporations so the question is <clears throat> how many of you guys are HR professionals 
who are working with your leaders on understanding individual liability. And how many of you have sat down with your Apex leaders and talked about individual liability and what needs to be done as far as making sure people understand what that is in the company? Okay. What individual liability as it pertains to employment is, it means that you've got skin in the game. Okay. Employers can be held liable under specific employment laws even if those employers, quote unquote, are individuals within a company. So when it comes to an employment law and individual liability, HR professionals are top of the list to undergo that level of scrutiny and be identified in any form of legal action in addition to CEOs and presidents and potentially individual directors and managers and directors and managers are actually limited in their involvement, meaning that they are not involved or they haven't exercised an, ad for an adverse employment action on behalf of the company or they were serving in their work capacity and not involved in a particular issue, which means that they are less likely to be named for violations in a, in a particular claim. Okay, so individual, wow, individual, I can't even say it, individual liability is not limited to federal employment laws as it actually can pertain to state and local employment law as well. So what the heck does all that mean? So if an employee brings a harassment concern to a manager, for instance, and it doesn't have to be the employee's direct supervisor, and no action is taken, the manager is legally obligated to address the situation ideally by involving human resources. If the manager fails to take action and take the issue and the company receives an EEO charge filed on behalf of the employee or the employee directly files a suit against the employer, the manager who failed to address the situation can also be held liable. So here's another example. And it's one that actually may not be commonly known, but there are times where it could be illegal for a supervisor to modify an employee's time card. Now, a lot of you probably do know that. Um, but these instances could include a supervisor reduce the hours on a time card as a form of punishment, which would mean including overtime hours worked. All right, that's bad. We don't want to do that. Or clocking in an employee out for a break or a lunch they did not take, during which they were not free to work on they were not freed of all of their work responsibilities. So we know those things are bad, right? So therefore the manager has individual liability in the mismanagement and falsification of an employee's time card and can individually be sued by the employee. Yay. <laughs> so there is some good news, all right? Individuals in most jurisdictions cannot be found liable under certain federal employment discrimination laws. So for instance, Title VII in the Civil Rights Act, Civil Rights Act of 1964, the American with Disabilities Act, and the Age, of Dis and Age Discrimination and Employment Act. All right? Those, those, they can't be found liable as an individual. However, discrimination and harassment claims most likely are accompanied by a personal tort action against the individual manager and employees. Okay? Defamation is a perfect example of a claim that is usually brought in conjunction with a discrimination claim that can impose individual liability as well. So a tort is actually a type of suit that is filed that identifies a wrongful act or an infringement against a right leading to a civil legal liability. So if you are wondering what a tort is, that's what it is. So for an example, 
up in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, West Virginia, uh, they have bypassed the at-will employment defense and assigned individual liability to supervisors who personally participate in decision-making for tort cases for wrongful retaliatory discharge, even if the supervisor was acting within the scope of his or her employment. Okay, So federal laws such as FLSA, FMLA, USERA, and ERISA, Immigration Reform and Control Act, are deemed common law and they have claims that can permit individual liability in the employment context. So you can see certain laws do, certain laws don't. Now these things also include improper management of leaves and benefits as well as inappropriate classification of a 1099 versus a W-2 employee. So getting, we talked about this, like what are the five ways that a company can get in trouble? That was one of them, is misclassifying an employee as a 1099 versus a W-2 employee. So here's another good question. And this goes outside, so this is kind of like taking this to the next level. So we understand now what individual liability is. But can criminal charges be rendered on a corporation and individuals when dealing with employment law? It's a good question, right? And the answer is yes, as long as the employees are acting within the scope of the employment and their conduct benefits the corporation. Now, these are very rare situations, so I want to make sure that we're very clear on what these things are. All right? Even though the answer to that is yes, it does not limit the liability to the CEO. Okay? It, it does include the board members, officers, directors, and other high-ranking officers. So, it gets really interesting. Since a corporation cannot be imprisoned, general, generally punishment includes heavy fines, loss of a business license, and enforced regulations by government agencies. Individuals can also be held liable under the accomplice liability theory if they are found to render aid which encourages assistance or instructs another employee to commit or engage in criminal conduct. So managers that act within the scope of their responsibility who turn a blind eye to criminal conduct can also be held criminally liable. All right? So let me give you some examples. So years ago there was a manager who was working with a subordinate on the quality of the employee's work and she got frustrated with the employee and she began smacking the employee on the arm when issuing her a correction. That sound was so loud I heard it while I was in the next office over. When the manager came in and volunteered the information immediately after the incident, I disciplined her and documented the incident in order to protect the company and myself. Okay. Could the employee turn around and say that she was assaulted? Yeah, she could have because it was loud enough. I mean, she just the managers just got too excited, right? And was smacking the girl's arm, right? Could that have been a window for somebody to cause some problems? Absolutely. And you guys have heard me say it before, in the absence of information, people make stuff up. But in this case, it could have been a little bit of an exaggeration. Now, criminal sexual, criminal, oh my gosh, criminal sexually harassing conduct is included but not limited to things like rape, assault and battery, false imprisonment, bullying, stalking, and, porn and pornography. It can also include the failure to address significant and severely hostile environments that involve repeated sexual harassment incidents. And this is extreme, but it is possible, mainly because the company is failing to address those issues pertaining to the physical well-being of the employees. And that's how it would apply in that area. 
Now, penalties enforced on individuals can include revocation of a corporate charter, civil penalties, loss of government contracts, which would be referred to as disbarment, shareholder suites, and loss of deposit insurance, conservatorship, and receivership. So now that you've heard all that and you're drinking your coffee or you're eating your lunch and now you're regretting consuming any food at all, how do you protect yourself? Like, how do you protect your company? All right, it's doable, and it has to it has to involve training. So now you understand how individual liability can creep into the workplace. Now, here's how here's what you can do. You want to invest in training for your managers so they understand what is expected of them. So you got to remember that when you set the expectations on behaviors in the workplace. You're doing it for a big reason. You're doing it because you want an, you want a, a friendly work environment. You want a safe work environment. But the underlying purpose, too, is that it's a way of eliminating individual liability. So it serves a greater purpose than what is seen. It actually addresses the unseen and a lot of the unspoken. And, and there's a lot of things that we talked about today. So things that you can do. When you see something happen and you see a manager that is going out of bounds, make sure that you correct them and document it. So if a manager is not reporting a problem, you got to make sure you document it. If a manager is letting bad behavior go on, you got to correct them and document it. Okay? You can go ahead and train people on preventing harassment in the workplace and if you are not doing that training, you need to start. Not because I believe that it is a rampant issue. I'm saying it because there is a trifecta of things that you can do that will put you in a good place. Right? You write a policy, you teach to the policy, and you manage to the policy. You do those three things consistently, consecutively. Eventually what you will be able to demonstrate is that if somebody violates a policy such as uh, harassment in the workplace, you will be able to better put yourself in a position to say this was an individual's will. We have it written in the policy, we have them signed off on the policy. We train on the individual on the policy and it's a defensible record. And then when we see it happening and we are made aware of it, we take immediate action, we investigate, and we discipline the individual or we manage whatever the situation is appropriately. Okay. Make sure, here's another thing you can do, make sure you are putting into place and adhering to and again managing to effective timekeeping and management expectations. Meaning <clears throat> managers can't make changes to time cards arbitrarily. They can't reduce uh, overtime pay because they're going to get in trouble for blowing overtime requirements in the company. Those are things that you got to keep in check. Other things that you can do is write and deliver accurate and effective performance reviews. Now, there is a big sweeping thing that has happened over the last several years about performance reviews. A lot of people are saying that they don't work. To, a, to an extent, I agree. The reason why I don't think they work is that people are not making them effective, they're not utilizing them, and they're not actually working, developing, and coaching and training their employees throughout the year on the things they're actually talking about in a performance review. So therefore, they're not effective. Totally get that. 
but if you have the supporting behaviors that accompany that, then you're going to have effective performance reviews. If you are meeting with your employees on a regular basis and discussing the developmental challenges that they are experiencing or developmental opportunities and their successes as well, then what they see on a performance review should be absolutely no surprise. Um, base, other things that you can do is better understand how to avoid making misleading statements to employees on employment. One of the most common things I have heard in my career is when an employee leaves on good terms, they say, don't worry, you can always come back. <laughs> okay, That right there is will hold. And if there's no position and the employee wants to create an issue, they can actually make that happen and it will hold because it is a verbal commitment. Now some people might say, well, how would they actually know it sticks? It's just one of those things. It's just been around for a while. Okay, But make sure that they are not making misleading statements. Now, misleading statement is different than a incorrect one, but nonetheless they have the same impact and that is, is that they cause frustration, they cause confusion, there's drama in the workplace, it's a mess sometimes to clean up, and at the, on, at the end of it is the employee loses trust in the employer. Okay. Um, other things that you can train on is how to avoid mishandling termination meetings. Um, there's nothing worse than when you are or anybody is just ramped up and they're angry about you know what's going on and the termination meeting is a little bit harsher or it's a little bit more aggressive than what it should be um, or if the termination in and of itself is not handled appropriately. Um, managers should not be doing this on their own. They should actually uh, be working with somebody who understands and help them usher them through a successful separation meeting. I have a number of clients that will call me and say, listen, I just want to run through this with you before I actually sit down and do this because I need to get my mind and check on it. It's like, no problem. And then also another thing that you can do is train managers on how to deliver consistent progressive discipline. You know, how they should work with human resources uh, in order to get the documentation in place, make sure you have the correct facts, the proper investigation has been done. So those are things that you guys can do to train your managers so they understand what is expected of them. It's an investment and you know what? It's a good investment and if you're not putting time and effort in, you are really keeping individual liability open for yourselves as practitioners, for yourselves as business owners, if you guys are listening, and then for managers, and uh, and you can uh, really save, your, you guys, save some heartache for your, and headache for you guys. Now, the other things that you guys can do is from a leadership position, so if you folks are listening, you can work with your HR professional to identify areas where individual liability is at risk today. Okay, so one of the things that your company can do <clears throat> is put forth an effort to analyze timekeeping records. Are there lots of edits? That could be a red flag. Are there a lot of missed punches? How are you guys auditing and reviewing time cards prior to processing payroll? Um, one of my clients, I actually review their time cards throughout the pay period <clears throat> and I notify managers what flags are in place which they need to correct prior to the end of the pay period. Um, you can also review past disciplinary documents and performance reviews. Are there gaps or failures to follow up on prescribed action items? Okay, Those are gaps. So it's kind of like if you say you're going to do something, you need to do it. 
you can't just say you're going to have a follow-up plan and never follow up on it. That's a very bad, bad place to put yourself into and it's a very easy place to put yourself into. So are you tracking training or are you even holding annual compliance training at all? Alright, so if you guys don't track your training, make sure you're doing so because training records are legally defensible and they are legally discoverable. Okay, um, you want to take a look at how is your human resource professional guiding managers during challenging employee relations situations? Are they doing their due diligence and are they knowledgeable? Okay, do they have access to the resources that will actually help them? Do they have somebody that they can talk the situation through to make sure that the actions they're preparing to propose are in check? Okay. And finally, is your company exercising reasonable care with regards to harassment complaints? Or are you just moving through the situation quickly because uh, it's been experienced enough times that you feel fairly confident that <clears throat> it doesn't warrant much more attention past that? So those are some of the things that you guys can do at the individual level, or excuse me, at the practitioner level, you can do it at the leadership level, and these are the kinds of things that are going to really help your company um, narrow the margin when it comes to individual liability. Alright guys, so we are going to go ahead and start to close this. I do have some announcements for you. Um, we've got some workshops still occurring for no, uh, November and December. Um, we've got Kicking Off a Successful New Year. Now this is a great workshop for in people who are in the admin role, new HR professionals, people who are in payroll. This is a great course for you guys to attend. Now there's two opportunities to go ahead and attend it live and in person in addition to one opportunity to attend it virtually. Um, we talk about what are some of the best practices to put into place to help you prepare for the closeout of a payroll year, how to uh, start lining up your deadlines, get your projects in order so then that way when the new year rolls around and you've got a couple of deadlines coming up, especially January 31st is one of the biggest ones, are you guys looking ahead and making the plans to make those happen? The other thing that is coming up is um, a pretty kind of heavy duty course in the month of December and again we've got two opportunities and one opportunity uh, to attend is virtual. The, uh, both opportunities are live as well and that is how do you help grieving employees through the holidays? Um, this is kind of a trick and so we, I, I reserve this until the very end of the year. Uh, because you know grief is just something that carries throughout. I wanted to do it up in November but I decided that the successful new year kind of needed a little bit more planning. So both really great courses um, had some great feedback on them and you can go ahead and register for them today by going to the website at bestpractices.work by clicking on the events link and then you'll be able to go ahead and sign up as well. Now the HR University is online, um, we're getting people taking the courses and it's fantastic, it's open for business, um, and this is a library of online courses that I am actually writing and designing to help bring practical and current human resource knowledge to those practicing in the HR field. So we had the most recent course release 
and um, it you know these courses actually range from basic compliance covering to some of the more complex challenges in the industry and the most recent course that released was the employment law and employment size now it's a very kind of a dry aspect of, of what it is basically we just tell you how many employees you have and you know what employment laws become relevant and you need to follow through them so it's really just knowledge based but these courses are also designed to not only tell you the what you need to do but how you need to do it okay so it's going to give you practical best practices that um, have been found to be tried and true for quite a while with a couple of little spins that I've learned along the way so you get the benefit of having some experience as well so we got a couple of them are out there remember we've got employment law employment size the newest course that was released um, we recently released uh, understanding generation Z we also had hiring talent for employers, particularly in a market like this. We have some really good best practices on how to actually brand yourself as an employer of choice, plus some other smattering of other things as well. And then we also have the American with Disabilities Act for employers as well. So when we release a course, and I apologize, I'm a little bit behind, but um, like I said, with everything that was going on the last couple of weeks, I'm working on getting things back online again and, and getting things back because there's going to be a boot camp that's going to be released soon, particularly for those individuals who are more junior and new <clears throat> that will also, in the boot camp, these courses will be offered individually. So you can take them together as a bundle if you've got somebody that's training and you want to give them the right information and you put them through you know, a six or eight week term not a problem because it'll drip out one course per week or you can go ahead and take them individually especially if money has a tendency to get tight speaking of which when we do launch a course we have the 5 for 50 special offer which is 50% off for the first five days once the course is released okay and that new course discount will always expire five days after the course is released really one minute before midnight so make sure you guys get to take advantage of those offerings when they do come out and um, yeah and you'll be able to get some really good information um, the other thing too is that for those of you who have purchased the I have to complete an holy cow I have to complete an i9 book nothing has changed on that just yet because we don't know what the new forms are looking like but that book will get updated and those of you who are looking to develop a great relationship with your boss I do have four rules on how you can build that better relationship in a book called Holy Cow, I Have to Talk to My Boss. Again, visit the web, uh, web page over at bestpractices.org, click on shop, and you can get your copies uh, as soon as they come in. Now, <clears throat> normally, I have an HR question of the day. We're going to go ahead and forego that, but I want to hear what is on your mind. I want to hear what kind of questions you have and your feedback. So you can submit your questions on the bestpractices.org website by clicking on the podcast link from the menu. And down towards the bottom of the podcast page is a submission form for you to post your question, which may be read and answered on an upcoming episode. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube. So if you want to find me on Instagram and Facebook, it's at Best Practices in HR. Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube is Brenda Neckvottle, and my last name, which is kind of convoluted, but it's N-E-C-K, like the thing you want to choke, V as in Victor, A-T-A-L. And again, the website is bestpractices.org, and if you jump on the mailing list, you will be able to go ahead and get my best practice to best practices delivered right to your inbox you will also get the opportunity to get a free gift from me so guys thank you again for joining me today it's good to be back 
I'm looking forward to the next several episodes because we got some really awesome information for you guys. And uh, we will talk to you soon. Have a good one.